What's up, everybody? Thanks for downloading this episode of one of my NXT reviews. I'm going to be producing content like this and other wrestling content, business, school, life stuff. And in this episode, we review NXT TakeOver 25, the 25 edition of NXT TakeOver. Matt Riddle defeated Roderick Strong. The Street Profits defeated Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan, Undisputed Era, and the Forgotten Sons. Shayna Baszler defeated Io Shirai. And Velveteen Dream defeated Tyler Breeze. With the main event, Adam Cole defeating Johnny Gargano. I give you all my insights from being there live, as well as watching it on the network. I hope you guys enjoy, and please let me know what you think. everybody my name is Andrew Creel and if you don't know me I am a big-time wrestling fan I'm a recent graduate of college I'm getting my master's degree and what I'm basically doing now is taking the next step in my journey I'm producing content on everything that I enjoy I've always felt tied down and felt like I had to do stuff for other people whether it was school basketball or whatever other groups I were a part of so now I'm just looking to produce content that I like and I know other people will enjoy and give my opinions and stuff like that on other things, wrestling base, business base, um, stuff like that. And truly just give my opinions because I see everyone else on Twitter and Instagram, they're blowing up. And, and when I look back at their stories, I'm like, how did they even get to this point? And they all started here. Not necessarily right here, but what I've seen is, <clears throat> excuse me, is that they just give their opinions. And then they gain credibility because they've been in the business so long. So now it's just like, okay, why can't I do that? I'm 23 years old. I think I know enough about the business to talk about it a little bit, at least in conversations. I have a lot of good conversations with a lot of my buddies. So this is just something for, that's fun for me. And um, I want to be able to interact with people in the wrestling community as well. Uh, my Instagram, if you follow me at BYST Drew, I'm going to be producing different types of content. Like I said, on business and school and uh, life stuff. And wrestling stuff. Uh, I love wrestling ever since I was the age of five. And I'm looking around my room now. And there's so many wrestling memorabilia and pictures and stuff like that. And it's just, I'm way too passionate about this to not give my opinion on this and stay involved and try to make this a career in some sort. Uh, the goal for me has always been to get to WWE. And I'm looking at ways to get there. And I don't know if this is a direct way to get there, but I'm definitely going to enjoy enjoy this journey now. So yeah, I went to NXT TakeOver 25 this past Saturday. I'm not going to lie, when I first looked at the card, I was like, I really don't know about this. It doesn't look like a, a real TakeOver card. It didn't, it didn't have the star power for me. But talking to a lot of my boys and my friends, they were like, regardless of who's really on the card, the environment that you're going to be in is really what's really going to sell the show. And shout out to my boy Dan Federico. He really sold me on it. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I think I think you're right. So I ended up buying the tickets really last minute. I think the day before. I bought it with my cousin, 50 bucks each. It's in Connecticut. I'm based out of New York, so it was about an hour and a half drive for us. It was at the Webster Bank Arena, and I've never seen this type of arena. And the only arenas that I really go to is Barclays Center, the Garden. I've been to Orlando for WrestleMania weekend, New Orleans, Smoothie King Center, all those places. And those arenas are huge. I remember those takeovers. They had the 100 levels, the floor levels, and then eventually the 200 levels. And when we went to the Webster Bank Arena, it was it, it's primarily a hockey ring, hockey rink, sorry. But it was so small. It only had floor seats and 100 levels. And I think it added to the vibe of it 
because NXT is already like a low key um, wrestling fan thing. Because even though it's more mainstream now, but if you mention it to anyone over the age of like, I don't know, 35 or whatever, that's only known the WWE product and doesn't know about NXT, they'll be like, what the heck is that? But I think it added to the mystique of it. And like my boy said, Dan, he said, um, it felt like an indie show. And it, it, it truly did. And the fans there are really hardcore, as everyone knows. And it was just something really cool to be a part of. When I first got in there, it was very small. And I was like, eh. I don't know about this, but when we got to our seats, we sat in section 103, uh, about two sections over from the direct hard camera, and we could see everything, you know, we could see the stage, see the entrances, see the ring, and I don't think there was a bad seat in that arena, to be honest. Uh, One of my other boys, Travis, he sat up in a box, and just from seeing his pictures and what he told me, he had a really good time. Um, He took out his sister to go watch, and I thought that was awesome, and before the show, we got uh, Bianca Belair versus uh, Mia Yim, which will probably air on another episode of NXT. Um, I was surprised by this because I just watched NXT the Wednesday before the Saturday, and Bianca lost to Mia Yim clean, straight up clean. And I really didn't know what to make of that because I'm a big, big Bianca Belair fan, Belair fan, and I just felt like that's it. I think like her push is over after she lost to Shayna and. She's still jacking the undefeated thing, and I'm like, I don't, I don't understand how you're still undefeated. I know you've never been pinned, but uh, not really undefeated anymore. And then just to see her lose to Mia Yim again live is just like, all right, well, now she's definitely to the back of the line. Or she may just go up to the main roster, which I'm scared about. But nevertheless, she, uh, she took the loss <clears throat> Excuse me, to Mia Yim very, very clean. And Mia Yim looks strong. I guess they're building her to take on Shayna next, but uh, we'll get on to that uh, later in the show when I talk about Shayna. But the first match of the night that I saw was uh, Roderick Strong versus Matt Riddle. And with this, I felt Roddy needed to win, and I also felt like Riddle needed to win. Because Riddle just got just uh, took a loss to Velveteen, I believe, at the last takeover. And... It wasn't as clean, you know, Velveteen uh, went over, put his shoulders down, and he got the win miraculously after uh, Riddle was giving him a beating of a lifetime. So I knew Riddle needed a win, and I also need, and I also knew that Roddy needed to win in storyline ways just because of he's trying to break away from the Undisputed Era kind of thing, and he's trying to prove his worth to the group, and that, that kind of um, caught me off guard with who won the match. But in my predictions before, I wanted Roddy to win, but I kind of knew that uh, Riddle was going to win. But the match was was awesome, especially to kick off the show. Uh, Roddy came out first to the Shock the System song, and that song is just awesome. We heard it three times that night, and and it didn't get dull each time. And uh, when Matt Riddle came out, he just has like a mystique about it. He's so chill, and the bro, and the, the chants were awesome when they both got into the ring. And both their styles really meshed well, I believe. Like, Roddy's so undervalued and, like, I don't know. People just don't appreciate his work so much. Um, he's had incredible matches, whether, they're, whether they've been in tag team aspect or singles aspect. And I just love his work. And what he did with, with Matt Riddle in that match was just something that was uh, amazing. Like, the storytelling of the 
of the back was just phenomenal. How how he did it to uh, to Matt Riddle. He was just working his back the entire match. Um, I was very surprised he didn't use uh, his his finisher of the the backbreaker towards the end of the match. I, I thought that was going to lead up to his win, but he ended up not not using it. But even with that, Roddy elevates every person he steps into the ring with. Like he sold so strongly in the match with Matt Riddle that he just elevated his star power, made Matt Riddle look like a legit threat. Um, the elbow sequence that I saw, like Roddy put uh, Matt Riddle on the ropes. He hit him with one elbow, ran to the other side of the ring, another elbow, then a kick. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. And then Riddle with his knees and the, the ripcord knees into the powerbomb sequence. And just just shout out to like Nigel McGuinness on, on the call, like, he made it so believable and just like a, a vibrant feel. I mean, like I was there live, but when I came back and watched it on the on the network, they made it like the commentary team was just unbelievable. And they made that match awesome just to even watch there. Like I really wish I tweeted at them. I really wish there was an option to listen to commentary live when you're at the events because they add they add so much more to it. Morrow and Beth and whatnot. Um, I love the finish. How. Uh, Matt Riddle tried to put on the bro mission on uh, Roddy Strong, but Nigel called it and he said he didn't have the core strength to complete the hole. And the storytelling was just awesome because I couldn't pick that up live, but watching it, it really gave the the home viewer like a perspective on it, and it added to the, to how effective Roddy truly was. Like Roddy, Roddy's a technician in that ring. Um, I did ex- I, after that after he put on the bro mission and he couldn't tap out Roddy. I love the finish, and uh, Matt Riddle debuted a new finishing move or signature move, whatever way you want to go from it. Um, it looked like a tombstone, but it was basically like a reverse like neutralizer type of thing, like what Cesaro does, how he picks the guys up, but instead of that, Roddy was facing uh, Matt Riddle, and he uh, pinned them for the 1-2-3 clean, and I think a new star, not a new star, but uh, added another credibility point to Matt Riddle. And his long journey of becoming an NXT superstar and maybe even an NXT champion. So from there, um, I really don't know where this goes. I think Matt Riddle eventually uh, moves up. Not to the main roster, but moves up in the totem pole per se. He might be a next challenger for Adam Cole. He might go back for the NXT North American Championship. But uh, I think one of those two routes is definitely on his next horizon. There's no need for him to be in another... uh, petty feud with any other NXT superstar he's proven he can compete at the uh, takeover level with his matches against Velveteen Roddy and even Cassius if you want to call that like a full match but for Roddy I really don't know where this goes for him because he was just trying to prove himself as a solo player within the Undisputed Era but maybe with Bobby Fish's injury he could team back up with Kyle O'Reilly get the t- NXT Tag Team Championships but I don't know I think this definitely sets back Roddy but the match he had um, still proves that he's very effective in the ring. Now, the next match that came out was the NXT Tag Team Championship match. And, like, this is one of the matches I was talking about. It lacked star power in this star, in, in this card. But with the Street Profits, Forgotten Sons, Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, and the Undisputed Era with Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby, Bobby Fish, it definitely had a match. It definitely had potential to steal the show. Um, just with that talent alone and the fact that it was a ladder and you had to get the um, the tag titles off the top 
and with you know Jackson Riker lurking in the background, like it definitely had potential to do, to do something live in the, in the arena. Of course, with any any other ladder match, especially with what, two, four, with eight guys in a ring, the match started out very messy in the beginning. But I think in that aspect, it's sometimes good to be very messy. Like you can't really have a real wrestling match going on with eight guys ladders everywhere and just total chaos especially in a dq environment so i didn't really like the messy but after watching it on the network i understood that it had to be messy because remember like i'm live and i was watching it and you could see guys on the outside of the ring just waiting for their moment waiting for their cue to go into the ring and do whatever they had to do and that kind of took away from the effect but nonetheless like i watched it on the network and it looked it looked it presented a good quality uh scene the next part that I loved was uh, Angel Dawkins. Like, I've watched this guy in NXT since the beginning, and I remember when he was a jobber with the, the two headbands. I know he still wears the two headbands now, but, like, it's so funny and so fulfilling, actually, to see him in this role. And um, it was his first takeover match. And shout-out to the big boy getting on the turnbuckle, jumping off the turnbuckle, jumping off the turnbuckle into, the, into all the other wrestlers. Like, I thought that was so cool for him, and... Uh, I was just happy to see him eventually get the win in this. Uh, I, d- I think he definitely deserved it. He definitely paid his, t- his time due in the NXT environment. Only Lorcan and Danny Burch, I, th- I felt like they're, they're a little forgotten. Uh, pun on the Forgotten Sons. But uh, they had a lot of cool moments in the in the match. I love the, dur- the double uh, German suplex by Oni and Burch to the Forgotten Sons. Uh, the Forgotten Sons, Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake. They had the ladder around their necks. They were doing like a spot, you know, hitting people with the ladders and stuff like that. And then Oni and Danny, they ducked it, went around, hooked them in the German suplex. And I thought the ladder was going to stay around their neck. But actually, when they did it, at the same time, the ladder flew and almost hit Kyle O'Reilly. And the welts on Kyle O'Reilly's back, like he took so many bumps on the ladders and sold them perfectly. It was just like phenomenal storytelling. And even after, he had to get stitches. And um, it was Shawn Michaels and another guy. I, I forgot his name. If anyone knows, please like just text me and tell me what his name was. And he was like, yeah, I'm getting stitches by two legends back here. And his back was visibly like bruising and cut and, and cut open. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Kyle Wright did an awesome job with that. Jackson Riker coming out. Uh, it made him a star. I love that he beat up, beat up everyone that was in the ladder match. Like, I, I really think he took out everyone besides his own teammates, obviously. He did a choke slam that looked phenomenal. I think even a power bomb or, like, one of those, uh, I, don't, I don't know the move, but he did it to Bobby Fish and, like, hit him pretty hard to the ground. And it made him look strong and not forgotten in a sense, even though the crowd was, was cheering, uh, we forgot you and whatnot. Uh, I love the fact that everyone came back together, got a ladder, beat the absolute... Uh, you know shit out of him and they were hitting with the ladder so hard and the crowd was into it and everyone was into it and then i just loved how uh Bob, bobby fish and kyle o'reilly they just switched it up and then just went to attacking everyone else like that's so undisputed era and like sold them and then even with this finish i didn't really know it was gonna go who was gonna win i wanted street profits to win of course i wanted street profits to win the baby faces and whatnot clear clear winners and clear next you know next up in the totem pole type of thing but certain times when people got knocked out the ring, I'm like, oh, no, Forgotten Sons are going to get this. Or uh, or even, I want to Undisputed Era too, but I was like, eh, three-time champs, uh, I don't know about that. 
Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch didn't really care for to be NXT champions. I think they fit more to NXT UK scene. Um, so I was just like on the edge of my seat, literally in, in section 103 with my cousin. And when I think it was Wesley Blake going up the ladder, trying to get the trying to get the tag team championships, and then I saw Angelo Dawkins creeping into the ring. He goes for the spear under the ladder, boom, hits Steve Cutler. And now I'm like, perfect, like, where's Montez? Like, he has to do something now, just for, like, sequence. And to see Montez, excuse me, jump off the rope, go onto the ladder, and land it perfectly. Because you know in WWE and NXT, we never see that executed well. I remember vividly, it was NXT New Orleans, and Ricochet tried to do that. And when he got onto the ladder, the ladder, like, collapsed. And it looked kind of spotty and kind of, like, messed up. And obviously it was. But it just never works out. So to see Montez hit it, and I saw it on the, the network after, the facial expression that he gave to, like, Wesley Blake on the on the ladder, he was just like, gotcha. And I loved it. And then he just hit him with one hard shot. He probably could have did, like, a cooler move. But he hit him with one hard shot, boom. And then he goes up, grabs the titles, and the place just the place just erupted, and I thought that was such an awesome moment for um, Angel Dawkins and Montez Ford. They deserved it. They were so over, and you could see it on the network, but being there live, I was hating. I was hating. I was like, damn, I should have been in Section 105. Everyone had a red cup, and it looked so lit. Like, everyone was just having a good time, and when they got the titles, you could just see the emotions. Like, you could just see it in their eyes and their facial expressions when they got those belts, and they're looking at them. Like, they worked very hard for this moment. I'm so proud proud of them. And they finished off with a celebration. They went into the hard cam section and was just celebrating with the fans, as they do regularly on NXT TV. And I just, I just loved every bit of it. I was very happy. Um, and I, I, that was a really cool moment. Where they go from here, I don't know if they hold those titles too much longer. Uh, Forgotten Sons, they're getting pushed heavily. They're on TV almost every week, whether in a backstage segment or in a match or Jackson Riker beating up somebody. So... I don't know, it might be a short reign, a transitional phase type of thing to get the titles on uh, Forgotten Sons, but nevertheless, great match. I thought it was cool. The next segment was a Velveteen Dream versus Tyler Breeze. I absolutely loved this match just because of uh, Velveteen star power and Tyler Breeze coming back. And when you think of it, the charisma between the two was really what made this match what it was. They really only had one to two weeks of build. It really didn't seem like this was like a long thought out process. It was kind of like Velveteen needs an opponent. We don't want to bury anyone. Uh, who could elevate him but could also make this match prestigious? Uh, let's bring back Tyler Breeze. Like, and I thought the storytelling was awesome. They showed a, a great video package. And I was, I was sitting watching it. And I think all of WWE's uh, video packages are awesome. But the video package sold it to the T. Uh, Velveteen calling Tyler Breeze the great value version of Velveteen was awesome and even Walmart got it got into it on Twitter I don't know what they said exactly but uh, they quoted it and they were like nah that's not true blah 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 but nevertheless the entrances were awesome you know to see Tyler Breeze back in the NXT environment back home essentially and have him with the selfie camera and him on the screen was just Something great to see, and it was like a feel-good moment for everyone in the crowd and for him, I think. Then to see my boy Velveteen come out, just to see the progression of him as a star. Like, he has, he's oozing confidence, oozing. Like, to the fact, 
Like, I don't think anyone could say anything to him. Like, from Patrick Clark to Velveteen Dream competing against Tyler Breeze at NXT TakeOver 25, the progression and the story has just been phenomenal. Um, they basically had this match around the sense of the spotlight and Tyler Breeze wanting back his spotlight in NXT. And the only way to do that is through the NXT North American Championship. And Velveteen basically saying, your dream is over, pun intended. And the spotlight now belongs to Velveteen Dream and whatnot. So this was a story based on spotlight. Like how all of Velveteen's storylines kind of go in a way. He, he has a good way of uh, telling stories in that, in that uh, fashion. One thing I wanted to point out. When did Tyler Breeze change his finisher? I always thought it was the spinning heel kick, the beauty shot. But uh, he kept going for like a, a kill switch type of thing that like Christian used to do. And uh, I don't know, I was thrown off by that. I was like, why is everyone getting hyped up? I guess I don't watch enough main event or anything. I'm not, you know, shooting on Tyler Breeze or anything. But, like, I just never remember when he changed uh, his finisher to to the kill switch. That I'm going to just keep calling it that. But he brought out the beauty shot. He hit Velveteen with it. And um, Velveteen sold it and went outside the ring and whatnot. And I love that, too. Like, just the champions always rolling out of the ring to avoid the pinfall was awesome. Uh, I love the spot when they went out to the announce, uh, announce table and Tyler Breeze was on the table and then Velveteen goes to get his phone. He takes a selfie with the chant and they put it on the screen and the, the crowd erupted. Like it was, it was cool to, to get that, you know, uh, interactions between the match. That was something cool for everyone to see. And even on, uh, on the network, it was cool to watch. Uh, I love the finish with Tyler Breeze not wanting to win by count out when he got Velveteen out, outside the ring. And you can see him debating. He's like, do I stay outside and, you know, get the count out loss? Or do I go inside and, you know, break up the count? I don't know why it took him so long. He got to like a seven or eight count. Or, I don't know, I think four or five count. But he gets back into the ring. He's like, no, I can't win the championship like this. Like, stop counting. And then the ref's like, I have to count. It's my job. And then during that time, I could see, because I was there live, Velveteen's grabbing the NXT North American Championship. And then by the time Tyler Breeze goes back outside the ring, he puts his head outside the ropes. And Velveteen tries to hit him with the belt. He obviously doesn't hit him. Breeze gets the belt. He's like, oh, no, like, what is this? The ref takes it away. And then Velveteen comes in, hits him with his uh, signature move, I guess you could call, before his finishing move. Uh, oh, what is it called? The Dream Driver? Yeah, Dream Driver. Hit him with the Dream Driver. And then he hits him with the Rainmaker, the, the elbow off the top rope, and got the one, two, three. And that's another impressive win for Velveteen. It adds to his list of victories at TakeOver um, and just gives him more prestige as a NXT North American champion. When that match finally finished, I got up from my seat, went to the floor. And by the time I got to the floor, they were uh, Tyler Breeze and Velveteen, they were facing each other. I thought a handshake was about to happen, but as Velveteen taunted him for the last time with his uh, signature pose and was about to walk out the ring, Tyler Breeze pushed him back and was like, nope. And then the, the chants were funny. I don't know who started it, but they were like, selfie, selfie, selfie. And I'm like, no way. This is about to be a selfie. Because, you know, when you put someone over, especially a younger talent like Tyler Breeze did to Velveteen, it's usually a handshake, a hug, and then... You go on. And everyone knows what that means as a wrestling fan. Like, he's next up. 
or he's the next one to be the big star and I did my job putting him over. And that's what Tyler Breeze did. But I like the, pro- I like the progression in how they did it. You know, we're in the 21st century. It's not the old business anymore. And especially this is NXT, so you, you can do it differently. So I like the fact that they didn't do a handshake, but rather they did a selfie. And it was a selfie with the champ. And that's Tyler Breeze's gimmick. And, you know, that was what the story was kind of based around. You want to you want a selfie with the champ and kind of Tyler Breeze taking that selfie and including Velveteen into his selfie was kind of showing that he gives a stamp of approval on Velveteen. Like he's a legit talent type of thing. Velveteen looked very strong after this. And I'm looking forward to seeing more Tyler Breeze in the future. Um, I would assume Tyler Breeze stays in NXT and continues to put over talent. But while putting over talent, he's going to make himself look like a star too. And that's that's what he's supposed to do in NXT. Like he's he's done it all in a capacity that he's been there in the beginning. I mean, he's he hasn't won... The big titles. I don't even think he's a tag team champion. But even when you think about it, you're including him in the top 10 list of all NXT talent, I, I believe. Even though he hasn't had a, a reign at a, at a title. After that match, I'm not going to lie. And I'm sorry for the people who's, who's hearing this. They might look at me or think of me in a certain way. But the match between Shayna Baszler and Io Shirai, the genius of the sky, Io Shirai, I did not watch live. I just, I couldn't do it. And it's not the fact that they are women wrestlers. It's not that. The fact was, the match between Shayna Baszler and the genius of the sky, Io Shirai, it didn't sell me. The storytelling wasn't there. I'm watching NXT every week, and all I'm seeing is Io Shirai bringing out kendo sticks, beating up Shayna. Then I see Shayna, Maria Shafir, Jessamine do come out, beat her up. And there's really no direct story between EO and Shayna. Um, Shayna's been on a tear. Like, I'm such a big Shayna fan. Like, Shayna beat Kyrie Sane, Nikki Cross, Bianca Belair. She even won, like, in a fatal four-way, too. Ember Moon as well. And, like, Shayna's a beast. Like, I didn't really believe EO Shirai was really going to win the match anyway. So, I was like, I'm not going to waste my time watching this live. Like, I'm going to go out. Go get some merch, use the bathroom, get some food, get a beer, whatever, and then I'll come back. Like, I knew in my head Shayna wasn't going to lose, especially at TakeOver 25. Like, TakeOver 25 is big because it's the 25 TakeOver, but it, in a in an aspect of things, it's not a big show. The big shows are before the big four pay-per-views, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. Those are the big shows. War Games, TakeOver Toronto, that's coming up. Barclay Center for uh, WrestleMania and then Royal Rumble. Those are the big shows. TakeOver 25, Shayna's not going to lose it there. So, not watching it live, I didn't regret it. I came back towards the end and I watched it on the floor. And I saw Maria Shafir, Jessamyn Duke, Candice LeRae come in. But I didn't see what they did. But I knew they were there. And the end of Bio, once I saw Io Shirai get in, that, get in the chokehold by uh, Shayna, I knew it was a wrap. I'd never seen anyone get out of it. So once she got in it, of course, the crowd was going crazy. Like, yeah, yeah, EO, 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 like, get out of it. And she made a little, like, effort. But then Shayna put in the, the, the body scissors, put on the, the clutch even tighter. And it was a wrap. Three taps, get him out of here. Like, EO Shirai, there was no shot for her to win that match. Um, after that, I'm such a big Shayna fan. Like, I'm still a fan of EO, but, like, Shayna's just a beast. Like, she's equivalent 
for me, like a Brock Lesnar of NXT. She doesn't care about people. She cares about her homies, which are Maria, Maria Shafir, Jessamyn Duke, and she cares about winning. She don't care about people. She doesn't care about Io Shirai, and I understand she had a great career in, in New Japan, and I haven't watched any of her, her work. I probably should, just to understand a little bit more, but nevertheless, watching this live was not an option for me, especially being, um, being in a tight seat. Like, I'm 6'4", sitting in a seat, and I needed a break. That's why I like house shows too, like just to get a little sidetracked, because you get an intermission, you get to walk around and whatnot, and I think that's needed sometimes, like in shows. But nevertheless, after the match was cool to see Io Shirai do all those antics, like I didn't understand why she was doing it live. I mean, I kind of did, because obviously she's upset she lost, whatnot, but even Maria Shafir, Jessamyn Duke, they didn't get directly involved, so I didn't really understand why she was upset that she lost, you know, clean. But her coming out with the kendo stick, being up Shayna hitting with the stick and then the moonsault her moonsault is clean very clean I think equivalent to like Charlotte Flair's moonsault or even cleaner like she always lands it midsection to midsection not knees to midsection or chest to midsection always midsection midsection to midsection and even with Candice LeRae giving her the chair that was pretty awesome to see that moonsault because you is sometimes those moves with gimmicks like that and the chairs they look kind of sloppy but i thought it was very well done and i didn't understand like i said when watching it live but when i watched it on the network the commentary team sold it perfectly they were saying Shayna pushed eo to this limit and now she's she's willing to do anything to get her hands on the championship and stuff like that and i was like okay now it makes sense Shayna is pushing eo to this version of herself that she's not really used to. You know, coming from Japan, you have such a respect for the sport of professional wrestling. You don't usually, you know, do stuff like that. But the fact that Shayna has been pushing EO to this limit, this mental limit, I believe, is what the story is, is uh, is pushing EO to be the, is step out of her character a little bit more. And I think that's cool. Because moving forward, you know, who's really next up to face Shayna and really be a legit threat to that title? It's not, I'm telling you right now, it's not Candice LeRae. It's not Bianca Belair anymore. And please, God, it is not Mia Yim yet. They are not ready yet. So what I think is going to happen is Io Shirai versus Shayna Baszler Part 2 at TakeOver Toronto. And maybe like a, a gimmick match. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be a no DQ or Extreme Rules match or Kendall. Whatever they think of, it's going to involve... No disqualifications in the aspect because I think the only way to really beat Shayna is not clean. I don't think anyone's gonna beat Shayna clean. I think the way you're gonna beat Shayna is with help from people or with weapons, candlestick, chair, whatever you want to insert. But as far as beating Shayna Baszler clean, ain't happening, Chief. Io Shirai, genius of the sky, good effort. But once you got that clutch and that body scissors, it was a wrap for you. Uh, after that, the announcement of NXT UK TakeOver in Cardiff was announced for August 31st. And once I saw that date, August 31st, the live crowd went, oh, like you could just hear the eruption. Because August 31st, as we all know, is the second event of AEW, and that's all out in Chicago. But I didn't put it together, and I, you know, I'll admit truthfully to that. I didn't put it together that... Clearly, NXT UK is at a different different time zone from AEW. And when I went on Twitter and I eventually saw it, obviously it makes sense. They're not looking to directly compete with 
AEW All Out. And regardless of the fact, NXT UK is on 3 p.m. Um, in the East Coast. AEW's All Out will air at 8 p.m. So you don't have to decide to watch one or the other. You can watch both and enjoy wrestling. And even Triple H, he mentioned on the live stream after the show that he didn't mention AEW uh, verbatim. He meant he was. I'm paraphrasing now. He basically said we had this hall uh, booked in advance. The date was always set. We were just waiting for the right time to promote it, and it made sense. August 31st, NXT UK takeover in Cardiff. August 31st, 3 p.m. 8 p.m. Um, over there, GMT time. It's going to be a great show. I went to the first ever NXT UK in Blackpool since I was studying abroad. And it was awesome. The, the, the British fans are truly different. They're a little bit more involved with chants and just a great energy in the arena. And an NXT UK talent, really great talent in the wrestling ring. Uh, I really enjoyed Eddie Dennis. He was a great talent. Um, Mustache Mountain, of course. And then a, I... A huge fan of Mark Gallus. I mean, excuse me, Mark Coffey, Joe Coffey, Wolfgang, that group Gallus. I'm telling everyone, if you're not watching NXT UK, I recommend to get get on it now. It's not just Mustache Mountain, Pete Dunne. They have a whole crew of people that are great talent. And they're, they're going to steal the show in uh, NXT UK, take over uh, Cardiff for sure. The next match was the main event of the evening. It was Adam Cole, baby, versus Johnny Gargano. Again, I love the video package. Like, I got goosebumps in the arena watching it. I even got goosebumps watching it on the network after. And I loved it. One thing that I did not love about the entire show was the mic. The microphones from the announcer. And you just couldn't hear anything. It, I felt like in Barclays Center, in any other arena I've ever been to, any other WWE show, it's always been so loud that you can hear like it's, it hurts your ears to a, to a certain degree but for this reason we couldn't hear the announcer and even when josiah williams came out rapping adam cole's entrance which was awesome you couldn't really hear him either only a few people on the on the floor seats could as they were rapping along to his song his uh his original song to adam cole's theme it, it was awesome and it added a it added a different mystique which you know takeover already adds to uh to wrestling uh, of how different it was. Like, when was the last time you saw somebody rap somebody out to the ring? I, the only thing that comes to my mind is, like, WrestleMania 2000, I think it is. Or, no, WrestleMania something. I think it was, like, in the 90s when they rapped out DX DX's entrance. But nevertheless, Josiah Williams comes out. Shout out to him. Like, he, he made it from the ground up. And low-key, one of the inspirations of why I'm even doing, you know, these wrestling podcasts and moving on with... Uh, doing the type of content that i want because going through his instagram this was the first song he ever produced his original content along with cfo's you know making of uh, undisputed era's theme and he's just been continuing to do it on instagram and then eventually they brought him in to do it and it was something cool and added like i said a different mystique to it adam cole comes out he does the bay bay thing and the place goes crazy that's one of my favorite things it's so over right now and it, it was cool Johnny Gargano comes out next. He has great gear again. He has like the NXT across his uh, chest. And I I think it was a clear 50-50 split between Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano in the ring. The fans were clear, clearly split. Anytime a Johnny Wrestling chant went in, it was Adam Cole that followed. 
or anything like that. They got a bunch of Fight Forever chants. This is awesome. It's Mamma Mia's. And it was evident by watching the match. Like, I watched it again, and I loved it. I wasn't dreading, you know, sitting through another 25-minute match. It was awesome storytelling. It started with... They were going back and forth. It started out pretty quick. And then Johnny hit Adam Cole's arm, and then Adam Cole's arm was extended on the ring apron on the outside, and then Johnny stomped on his arm, and Nigel McGuinness, he did awesome, awesome job talking about it, he was like, he hyperextended his elbow or whatnot, and then right there, I was like, okay, that's the first selling point, Adam Cole's gonna sell that arm all day, and in my head, I wanted Adam Cole to win, but I was like, damn, that's probably how he's gonna lose, because Johnny's gonna put on, you know, the cross face lock, or whatever he calls it, and that's basically how he's gonna lose, but... Adam Cole, Adam Cole came back, he uh, hit Johnny in his leg really hard, and he was selling that, and I just thought the back and forth between the selling points were just so well executed. Johnny selling his leg and Adam Cole selling his arm was perfect because every time they were doing a move set or anything, they would sell it. Oh, they don't have the capacity to, to lift this person or run that far because either their leg or arm hurt. I loved... Adam, Adam Cole's moveset is already dope, and I love the super kicks. I love um, his suplexes into the knee, the, the neck breaker, rather, sorry. And he keeps adding this uh, Panama Sunrise to his arsenal. It's basically a Canadian destroyer. I remember, I think, Petey Williams in TNA. He did it. And I remember watching TNA when I was younger, and I was like, that move is unreal and insane. And for WWE to allow it, I thought it was kind of like ballsy to a certain degree. But Adam Cole's been practicing this move on house shows and even the NXT shows that air on, on Wednesdays. Like, I've seen him hit it several times, and it looked awesome. So I was I was on the edge of my seat all match just waiting for this to happen because I'm like, you know what? He has to hit this, and this is probably going to be the finish. So I'm on the edge of my seat, and he set up for this move probably like four times in ring and didn't hit it. So I'm like, damn, like, it's, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. But then... They get to the outside, and I'm like, yo, he's about to, he's about to do something, because you know Adam Cole's not a high flyer, so he goes outside, he has Johnny set up, and he goes for the Panama Sunrise, and he hits it, and I'm like, oh, snap, like he just hit a freaking Canadian Destroyer on the outside to Johnny, and it looked like it hurt very bad, and it, the crowd just went crazy uh, seeing it, I even went crazy watching it on, on, on the network, he, he put him back inside the ring, and then it came to a bunch of false finishes, and it was awesome, the, the back-and-forth action that, that, that they were both having. Uh, one of the key points I wanted to, to make out was how Adam Cole, he was called, after the ref got hit by a suicide dive by Johnny, um, how Adam Cole was calling out Undisputed Era. And I'm, I'm there live. I'm watching all exits, because you know with TakeOver, people always run from different uh, entrances and exits. So I'm watching, no one's coming out. And you know, Adam Cole, he's doing that wave out signal for like a while now. So I'm like, oh no, like what's happening? No one's coming out. I'm like, are they turning on him? Does, do they believe they, they don't have to support him anymore? Like, oh no, like is this the end of Undisputed Era? Like did Roddy hold him back? Like, I don't know what's going on. So then he's calling him out and then you can see Johnny visibly like shaking. He's like, damn, like I have to get this win, but I also have to hold these dudes back. So watching on the network, it gave me that perspective, and you know, with the commentary team, it gave me a better insight. But watching it live, it was awesome. Because once Johnny got back into the ring, Adam Cole he brought out a new move. It was kind of like you know, you know, the move that Johnny does, the 
or no, rather Randy Orton does when he puts the, his opponent's feet on the ropes, DDT to the ring. He kind of did the same thing, but just with his legs, and the impact was unreal. Johnny ended up, you know, coming out at two, but then the exchanges between both of them, the super kicks and whatnot, ended up with Adam Cole hitting the Panama Sunrise into the Shining Wizard finish, and the count it went and went one, two. Three, I was so hyped for Adam Cole. I, like, goosebumps. I'm flexing. I'm like, let's go. He finally won. Finally won the championship that, like, eluded him throughout NXT. And I was so happy because, like, I'm happy for Johnny Gargano. He got his moment. Not fully because it should have ended with him going over to Tommaso Ciampa. But regardless of the fact, he got his moment. I do kind of feel kind of bad because the NXT Championship is kind of getting tossed around. You know, Champa, Champa had to vacate it, then Johnny won it, now he lost it. But now I'm still very happy for Adam Cole that he won the championship. Now he's the second uh, Grand Slam champion in NXT behind Johnny Gargano. There's only obviously two of them to ever do that. And I, you know, just adds to his credibility when he eventually moves up to the main roster, which I don't want to happen. Also, with Undisputed Era coming out to help him, I mean, not help him, sorry, he did not get any help, with them coming out to celebrate with him, I was kind of weary, I was like, I don't know if Roddy's going to turn on him now, because you know the storytelling within NXT, but eventually went well, put him on the shoulders, they finished with the Undisputed Era sign to end the show, and I was like, perfect, this is awesome, and you know, you always got to wait with NXT, you never really know when it's over, but they eventually went back inside. And I was like, this was an awesome moment to be a part of. And with that, that concludes this episode of uh, reviewing NXT TakeOver 25. I hope you enjoyed. I hope I didn't bore you too much. Um, what I ask now is, if you liked it, if you like this, text me, DM me, whatever. Just give me some feedback on, on what you thought this was. I'm going to post this on Twitter, Instagram, and on my uh, podcast channels. So just let me know what you thought. I'm probably going to do this going forward. Uh, I love wrestling, like I said earlier, so I just like reviewing content and um, talking about it. Because I, t- I have these conversations every day with people through text. And I'm like, yo, damn, like we both saying something pretty good right here, like compared to other people. Like, why don't we just record this? So this is me just recording it now. Like how I said in the beginning, I didn't really want to go to this TakeOver, TakeOver 25. I thought it was going to be a, a whack show. They didn't really have star power. But coming out this show, they made a lot of stars. It made a lot of people look strong. And it just added to the list. It it did better than the last TakeOver. And I think TakeOver, takeover is always going to be doing this. They're always going to top the next TakeOver, the TakeOver previous. Roddy looks strong. Riddle looks strong. Street Profits looks strong. Jackson Riker looks strong. My girl Shayna looks strong. Velveteen and Tyler look strong. And then, of course, my boy Adam Cole. Bebe looked very strong capturing his first NXT championship. With that, my name is Andrew Creole. I appreciate you listening to my content. And I ask you, if you like this, you let me know. Appreciate it. See you guys.